In this episode, we have Rachel Goldman. Rachel is a former intern, volunteer, and trained wish granter for Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. Here is Rachel Goldman. Hey, what's happening? How's it going? Oh man, I'm hanging in there. How you doing? Also, just hanging in here. Oh my goodness, it's been so long I haven't seen you, man. I know. I don't, I don't know how long it's been. Maybe like what, like five, six years? Something insane. Something a really long time. Honestly, you look exactly the same. <laughs> you too. So that's good. Yeah, the little <laughs> LED lights definitely help a little bit, you know, clean me up and stuff. Our guest in this episode is Rachel Goldman. Rachel is a former intern, volunteer, and trained wish grinder for um make a wish hudson valley rachel welcome to our wish out podcast how are you how's it going thank you it's going well i'm grateful to be here yeah share with our listeners a little bit about yourself i mean i kind of gave them a little taste of what you did at the office obviously you were an intern you became a volunteer you're now a trained wish grantor working on wishes you know but tell me a little bit more about and have our listeners kind of know a little bit more about you So I've been involved with Make-A-Wish since I was actually in high school. So I feel like I've grown up um, within the Make-A-Wish family to some extent. I started as a high school intern. Um, It was part of my senior internship project. I had the opportunity to work in the office in Terrytown. And then uh, right when I turned 18, I was able to become a wish grantor, which was really exciting. And now Gosh, I don't want to reveal my age, but <laughs> 10 plus years later, um, I'm still involved in Make-A-Wish. And although I don't get to volunteer quite as much as I would like, Make-A-Wish has um, had a pretty profound impact on my decision to become a child psychologist. And I really hold the values of Make-A-Wish in my work every day. That's amazing. Um, and that's actually one of the things I definitely want to talk about on this episode is you know your journey from you know, kind of high school intern to then it progressing to becoming like an office, pretty regular office volunteer, and then being trained as a, you know, but not only volunteer, but also as a wish granting volunteer. I mean, do you know how many wishes you've actually worked on? I mean, I know you say you're, you ha- which obviously you've been really busy the last you know few years, but you've worked on approximately about 30 wishes. Um, does that sound about right? Really? To you? Yeah. I still wish it was more. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, I mean, 30 wishes is a lot. I mean, we've had volunteers that have been wish granters for decades and they haven't hit 30 yet. And it's really, you know, for us, you know, one of the things we value in our volunteers, it's about the quality of the work that you're able to volunteer for. I mean, I think that's really important. I mean, you can have a hundred wishes, but if you don't remember any of those kids or any of the experiences, then are you really getting, you know, something, you know, tangible out of it? And I think those 30 wishes, even though they're 30, um, for you, you think is not enough, but it's actually 30 lives that you've touched and you've impacted, you know, throughout the 11 years you've been volunteering, you've been with us, you know, 11, 12 years, you know, really, if you go back to 2008, when you first started, um, which is wild that it's, it's making me feel a little old, Rachel, uh, I gotta be honest. Me too. (laughs) Um, Do you have like, since we talked a little bit about how you started as an intern, do you have like any funny stories or memories of how it was when you were an intern? Because obviously you're, you're in high school, you're senior, you're just trying to figure out kind of what's the next step. So how was it coming into our office at, in Tarrytown and kind of figuring out kind of your, where you kind of fit? 
I mean, it was really my first work experience in my life, um, working in an office. And I have to say, no office has ever been as much fun as the Make-A-Wish office um, that I've been in since then. I just remember thinking that every birthday gets celebrated with a Carvel ice cream cake and everybody eats lunch together every day. And it really was a family. And I think in some ways it set my expectations very high when I went to college and thereafter, thinking that every office was going to be this fun, where we just talked about how we could bring joy and hope and strength to little children. Um, And although I've had some office experiences like that since Make-A-Wish, none have really compared. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it makes us so proud that we were able to create an environment like that, that is accommodating to everybody that comes in. and, and, and we really are, are happy and proud of, of, of that. So, um, and with that said, I mean, you being a, one of our, you know, really handful of youth volunteers that, um, that, vol- that donated their time to us, you know, what would you say is something important that you would share with other young people that are maybe interested in volunteering their time or are looking to start out in, in venturing into philanthropy or, or, you know, or into the volunteer space? If you were to go back and give, you know, 17 year old Rachel, you know, um, some advice, what would you tell her? I mean, the, the magic of volunteering for Make-A-Wish Foundation is how direct the impact is. Whether you are fundraising or in the office or granting wishes, you are an integral part of making the magic happen and really get to feel how your time, money, or energy is benefiting the children. And I think Make-A-Wish in general is an organization that is the full package. It is so transparent in where the money goes and how the money feeds the mission and helps the, ch- helps the kids. Um, and you don't get that everywhere else. And so I really would advise anyone that's interested in philanthropy to start with Make-A-Wish, to really see how it works and how to run an organization that's just really true to the mission. That's awesome. And actually, you mentioned, I mean, this was kind of like the the beginning point of your journey as a career and and everything that you've kind of done since, you know, both in, you know, your career and also you you started your own not-for-profit, which we will will get into. Um, But from your internship and then into college and then obviously, you know, into your career space, tell us a little bit to our listeners, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, um, how, what were some of the things you learned, I guess, within the Make-A-Wish world that you kind of started to apply in your day-to-day work life. Yeah. So I think I learned really early on um, when I became a wish grantor at Make-A-Wish. I remember um, shadowing at Maria Ferreri's Children's Hospital, um, actually before Make-A-Wish. And then when I became a wish grantor, walking into a patient's hospital room and realizing that the child was not afraid of me. I was somebody that they were happy to see. They were excited. You're from Make-A-Wish. I get to wish for something. And I remember that feeling really stuck with me that I always wanted to be someone that the children were excited to see. I always knew that I wanted to work in the health capacity. I've just always felt childhood illness was just the most awful thing. And if there was ever a way that I could make it a little bit better, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I think that feeling of wanting to bring strength and joy to kids 
really started from Make-A-Wish. And I thought that I wanted to be a medical doctor originally, um, took all those pre-med classes, all those labs, was ready to take my MCAT. And I just remember volunteering at a hospital and feeling like, I just wanted to be a person that made them smile. I didn't want to talk about the medications. I didn't want to talk about the treatments. I just wanted to know how they felt as a person and as a kid and how I could make that experience a little bit more manageable, which I think is what Make-A-Wish does. And that really inspired me to go and do my PhD in clinical psychology. I work um, currently with children with all sorts of difficulties and medical illnesses. Um, And I'm all about trying to help them feel more confident, uh, boost their self-esteem and really doing Make-A-Wish just on a daily basis with a lot of of kids. So they don't get to take huge trips and, you know, I don't buy them fancy things, but the value is the same. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're going into the core of who they are in their being, you know, the day-to-day work that you're doing, meeting with with kids that are in crisis a lot of times and and they need someone to bounce things off of or try to make some sense of what they're dealing with, right? And you're looking at systems, you're looking at family of origin, you're looking at all that fun stuff that I also studied in school, which was really, really awesome that that you're you're living that out um, right now, which is fantastic. Um, and with that said, so you go from you know, all these years of college, you know, almost ready to become a a medical doctor, you kind of pivot a little bit, still in the medical field. Now you're working with kids directly. How did that kind of then take you to your next step where you start, you you decide, hey, you know what, I don't have, I have a lot of time on my hands. I'm just going to start a foundation, like out of nothing. Like, how did that even come about? How did that even work? And and for those that are listening, we'll be sure to add in the, the show notes, you know, a link over to Rachel's or, uh, non-for-profit. It's called Runway Heroes. Um, but please tell us a little bit about how it started, how it originated and, you know, where are you guys now as, as a foundation? That's a great question. So I started Runway Heroes when I was in college. Um, It really just happened by chance. I was volunteering at a children's hospital um, and I was, I met somebody who was an executive at a department store and they were like, how can we do something for children with cancer? And an idea was just kind of born that way where we did a fashion show for kids with cancer and um, Ralph Lauren was our first sponsor. And so they were super into it and we got a whole bunch of children from the hospital to come and participate in a fashion show. And the kids just loved it. And I have to be honest, I thought it was the silliest idea. I'm not in fashion. I know nothing about fashion. I was like completely displaced. Yet seeing the confidence in these little kids get up on stage and have their makeup done and walk the runway, I was like, I have to keep doing this. So that was in, I guess, 2014. And uh, since that, so then we did like an annual show every year where we would do a show at Bloomingdale's at the flagship store. And then about two years ago, the idea sort of took off um, where the bridal industry got really interested in what we were doing. Um, And we held a show at Kleinfeld Bridal and the girls just had an opportunity to feel really like princesses. 
And we then did a show, another show, a co-ed show um, with the New York Yankees. They got involved and the New York Yankees walked our kiddos down the runway. Um, it was just a really, really amazing experience. So I, sometimes things just come together. I can't really say that I sat down and was like, I'm going to start a nonprofit for kids having fashion shows, but it just sort of happened. And now so many children love the experience that I can't stop. And so we are on hold during COVID, but we will absolutely have a show as soon as it's safe to do so. That's awesome. And it's interesting. You mentioned the thing about having these, these bridal shows interested in, in your uh, nonprofit, because one of the things that we offer at Make-A-Wish that a lot of people don't know about is our wedding wishes program, which are for those and for those that are listening, you know, you feel free. It'll be in the show notes as well. But our wedding wishes program is, is geared towards, you know, couples that are getting married that in lieu of favors that they give out at the reception, they can make a donation to Make-A-Wish. And we would give them little tent cars that they could put out on the plates and stuff at the reception, which is really nice. So it's a nice kind of link up to, you know, something similar that, we're, that we kind of do. Obviously, we don't have kids coming down a runway, but that in itself, that idea of giving that, those kids that sense of empowerment and and kind of control of something, which is similar to what we do also at Make-A-Wish, where having a wish granted to them for the first time in a long time, they actually have a say in what they're, what's going to happen. Um, you know, they don't have a say of what's happening to their bodies, the treatment that they're going to get. They don't have any, they have no control of that. But what they do have control of is, you know, what their wish would be. And in the same way, they have control of, you know, how they're going to walk down, how they're going to strut down that runway, you know, maybe the outfit that they're going to wear, the type of makeup they're going to, they're going to wear, like all that kind of stuff really is empowering to a kid that's going through a tough time. Um, and you're giving them that strength to kind of keep on going, which is, and it's a phenomenal, um, phenomenal concept in itself. So that's, so props to you and for coming up with it and, and, and having all these amazing partners in, in it. That's just fantastic. Do you find like opportunities where you do come across any Make-A-Wish kids like throughout that process of maybe getting some of the kids together for the, the runway experiences? Absolutely. Uh, actually, one of our first experiences was actually a Make-A-Wish. She had had a, already had a wish, but she'd been sick for eight years and her she wanted to meet Randy Finoli, who is the star of TLC's Say Yes to the Dress. And so uh, we did a whole experience with her meeting Randy Finoli and going to Kleinfeld Bridal. And she also is involved in Make-A-Wish. So she sort of got a double wish um, only because I have a real sweet spot um, and I can't say no. And so uh, we were able to make that happen. And when we she was with Randy, it was so apparent how much he loves Make-A-Wish and how much he loves meeting kids with medical illnesses and just bringing them a lot of joy. So yeah, there's a ton of overlap. Almost all of our kids, if they haven't had a wish, I'm like, do that first. We're nothing compared to make <laughs> Well, I got to be honest. I mean, one of the things that we uh, we offer as an organization is this life-changing experience for kids. And it's one, it's one experience that they have. But the great thing is that we have other not-for-profits that service the same type of kids that can offer either similar additional experiences or something totally different. So your not-for-profit actually is a perfect 
kind of link up to that because they can have a Disney wish and then they can say, hey, I want to feel like a model today. And they can run over, they can go over to Runway Heroes and say, hey, I want to feel, I want to have that experience too. And then there could be another organization that we have many that we work with that may be able to pay medical bills or maybe able to do other things. So things that we as an organization may not be able to grant for them directly based on our guidelines that we have set forth by our national office. There are other non-for-profits like yours that can kind of fill that gap as well, which is you know, great for a family that is going through a tough time and there is not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. But when you see all these community partners kind of connected with each other, you start seeing that these kids are get, are, are having an experience that continues on and on and on that ultimately, hopefully it leads them to the end of their treatment and they can kind of move on with the rest of their life. Well, have you heard of any kids that have come back like after your, their experience you know, with you through Runway Heroes that they decided to come back and volunteer their time or have done anything along those lines or it's still kind of small? Yeah, so I just want to highlight one other point that based on what you said is that we really are stronger together in helping bring strength and joy to children with illness. And as much collaboration among organizations, uh, the better it is for our children and families. So I love that Make-A-Wish is able to so easily collaborate with other organizations um, because at the end of the day, it's all about the kids and the families. So some of our some of our kids do come back. Often once they walk the runway once, they want to do it over and over again. And so we always reserve a certain number of spots in our shows for kids that have participated before but are still facing pretty significant medical challenges. And then some of our kids that age out, um, they come back and can help in the pre-show process. So maybe helping the, the littler ones pick out their dress or their shoes or fit for um, makeup or photos. So yeah, we're, we're starting that. It's not nearly as official as Make-A-Wish yet, but um, it is a really nice aspect to see the older girls come back and to help um, the, the younger kids. That's really cool. Um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your not-for-profit. I think it's something phenomenal. I think a lot of kids can really benefit from it. Just to give some, some more info to our audience, if they, um, if they have a child that may be eligible for your program, what is the best way for them to refer them to you or kind of get that process started? Oh, they can always reach us on social media at Runway Heroes or runwayheroes.com. Um, they can shoot an email uh, and we would be happy to uh, talk to them. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for that. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, I would like to go back to what, you know, we kind of been talking about throughout, which are wishes. And obviously you've worked on, you know, a number of wishes, you know, you tend to have a pretty consistent partner um, yeah. throughout all of those wishes, you know, share a little bit about your go-to partner on wishes, who he is and, and, and how you guys connected and kind of yeah. why you guys are, are so complimentary to each other and, and love working with each other. I would love to hear more about it. Oh, I mean, Jamie Barr, he is just the best of the best. I, he's my wish partner. He's, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I laugh just thinking about it. And that is how we do wishes. The two of us together just crack each other up and we go into meet our wish kids with just so much joy and happiness that it is impossible for the kids not to also be as excited as we are. Um, I just think we're a good, we're a good team. Uh, he doesn't like the paperwork yet. He's way more available to like 
drop stuff off and receive packages. And so I handle more of the paperwork and the, you know, filling in the forms. And he handles more of like the driving and logistics. He actually really reminds me of my relationship with my dad um, because it's just built on just a lot of laughter and fun. And so there's no one else that I would rather grant wishes with than with my partner, Jamie. That's really cool. You know, Jamie was one of the first interviews that we did for our podcast. And I have to say it was one of my favorites because, you know, knowing Jamie for the entire time I've been with Make-A-Wish and and just knowing his personality and getting to know his family really well over the years, I mean, multi-generational volunteering, all of that stuff, right? And then obviously, you know, he also is pretty picky with who he wants to work with, you know, and that, that's not a knock on him. It's just, you know, you get used to certain people and he always wants to work with you. And, and I always find that so refreshing because a lot of times, you know, some of the more veteran volunteers, they like veteran volunteers to work with. And he was very open early on to say, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll work with somebody new, you know, when you were first trained and he had no problems with it. And I think that's a testament to our volunteer base. You know, a lot of our veteran volunteers, love taking new people under their wing, kind of teaching, you know, showing them the ropes, working with them, teaching them everything they know, and then letting them kind of do their thing. But the cool thing is you guys have stuck together throughout all the years you've been, you know, with Make-A-Wish, which is pretty, pretty dope. Um, I really really look up to Jamie in that I can only hope that when I grow up and have a family of my own, that there is as much philanthropy and charity in my family as is in his. I've never, that man has never said no to a wish, even when he is so busy. Um, He's like, of course I'll do it. Just send me the email, tell me the information. And uh, he's always first to donate online. Um, I just have never met such a giving man. And I'm hopeful that I'll grow up to be just like Jamie one day. <laughs> we all hope we can grow up and be like Jamie. He truly is uh, just salt of the earth, really. Um, yeah. You know, I- I'm curious, kind of going back a little bit into what we're dealing with now. You know, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And, you know, we're all uh, in quarantine or we're doing our own self-quarantine, um, you know, where we're kind of distant from our families because we're not able to see them as we as much as we would like. You know, all these challenges that we're we've been dealing with for the past, you know, you know, by the airing of this episode, it'll probably be a year, maybe a little bit longer. Who knows? Um, you know, you're working with kids, you know, a lot of the same kids that we may be working with as well at Make-A-Wish. You know what? I mean, not without getting into too much detail and stuff, but have you found that kids that you've been meeting with recently, how are they dealing with the pandemic? Because I have two small children. There are a lot of other, you know, people listening to this uh, podcast that also have small children. What is the best way for us as adults, parents, people close to younger kids that are, you know, that are dealing along with us with this pandemic? You know, what are some of the things you've heard, you've seen that the kids are talking about their fears, concerns that we as adults that are around them can maybe make them, I guess, a little bit more comfortable, more secure in in what's happening? You know, what would be some things you may suggest? So first, I mean, we definitely know this through Make-A-Wish. Children at their core are incredibly resilient. Uh, There's no question. We see kids go through horrible illnesses and they come out smiling, laughing, just wanting to be kids. And I don't think this situation is really that different. 
overall, children are highly adaptable and highly resilient. And they are taking this pandemic maybe in stride more than I am as an adult. Um, And they're very, very simple beings. They want time with their family. They want to spend, they want to connect with friends or activities in some way. Um, And I think a lot of the a lot of the joys of childhood can still be a part of this time right now. We just have to be a little bit more creative in doing it. And so a few tips or a few things I've been sharing a lot about to parents is that the quantity of time with one another has uh, has very much increased, yet our quality time has really decreased. And that's because Moms and dads are being teachers, they're being cooks, they're working from home. They all of a sudden took on a hundred more jobs. Um, And so it's hard to give your child that undivided attention without responding to an email and without worrying about dinner. And so however you can find even just five for 10 minutes every day to spend that quality one-on-one time with your child is really going to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, research has really, really shown in all sorts of horrific circumstances that all children need is a consistent and stable caregiver. And so however you can take care of yourself so that you can then spend some quality time with them, I think we're all going to come out of this just fine. That's awesome. Yeah, you're, you're making my heart jump because I'm, ex- I'm you just described me to a T. I've been a cook and a chef throughout all the past months. Um, now that the kids are now virtual learning, you know, so I'm dealing with their day to day remote. Uh, my, my five year old is now able to get on Zoom by herself. So that's one less thing I have to worry about in the morning, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, kids are extremely adaptable. We've, we've seen it, you know, across the board within Make-A-Wish. I mean, we, we have kids you know, as young as two and a half that are referred to us and may have a wish granted to them um, and all the way up to the age of 18 uh, when they're referred. So we've seen that we've seen all these kids go through a lot of difficult times and yet they bounce back, like you said, with even more zeal for life, which is really, really fantastic. So um, that's awesome. Now, our next segment will kind of close out this episode is called our shooting star segment. So I'll ask you a series of questions. Say the first thing that comes to mind. You know, yeah, I know. It's like, it's like rapid fire. So you've been with Make-A-Wish for a long time. I know it may be difficult, but what is your favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memory? My favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memory? Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. You're really putting me on the spot. (laughs) I'll tell, how about this? Uh, Let's, let's be more specific. Let's say your favorite office memory, like in office memory and maybe your favorite wish memory. My favorite in office memory is how the wish staff dresses up for every single holiday. Like, I just love that. I mean, they do not miss one opportunity to be a family and to be super enthusiastic. Um, That's probably my favorite office memory. It's funny with the office kind of, getting ready for the holidays. And, you know, that's a testament to our leadership, both on the board level, as well as our leadership at the chapter, because, um, you know, we, we feel very fortunate to be able to do the work that we do. 
And, you know, we are together a lot of times so much, so many hours, you know, typically, you know, in a pre-COVID world, you know, together um, and we're working so closely together to, and, and, and the work we do is so at times a roller coaster of emotions. So there, without a question, you're going to connect with each other um, on a deep level, you know, over, especially if you're there for years, you know, decade, you know, like, you know, we have Denise who's been there for over 20 years. We have Tom who's been there for more than 15, you know, I've been there for 13 years. You know I mean, so it's, it's crazy when you look at it like that. Um, but we do find opportunities to make it light. You have to, you know, because there are times, unfortunately, when we do have, we do get like a string of kids that may, you know, may have taken a turn, may have passed away. Um, but then at the same, in the same breath, we also find out that the kid that was on, that was waiting for their celebrity, which all of a sudden is starting to happen, you know? So you have these extreme highs and lows that, somehow you got to find some levity in it. So by putting on a Santa hat for the holidays or, you know, putting on, you know, some a Halloween costume during, you know, the, you know, Halloween, it's something that definitely helps us kind of get through it, you know, in a way. Um, but you also mentioned that you have a, a memory for your favorite wish. Is that right? So I don't think I could choose a favorite wish, but I can speak to one of my favorite memories is when we went in to visit a little girl, she was probably four or five years old, and she had just been diagnosed with leukemia. And we walked inside her house. She'd just gone through induction in the hospital. So they were inpatient for many, many weeks. And she was so terrified of Jamie and I. And she was hiding behind mom and dad and she wouldn't really look at us or talk to us. And then once we said, we're not doctors, we're just here to grant a wish. Like we have a magic wand and we're going to help make a wish come true for you. She just lit up and she put on her Cinderella dress and those little high heels that like their tiny feet slip in. She's marching around and she's like, I want to go to Disney World. And I just remember feeling like that is so the essence of Make-A-Wish. Um, and just, it was just magical even in that moment. And so that's probably one of my favorite Make-A-Wish experiences. That's so cool. Um and, you know, next thing I want to ask you, like, you know, if you could give, and you kind of shared it a little bit earlier with regards to youth volunteering, you know, but in general, you know, obviously this podcast is going out during our 35th anniversary year, you know, we're asking members of our community to get involved, you know, this is a call to action to them, whether it's to donate their time, to donate their treasure, to, you know, donate their resources um, to the chapter, you know, during the time that we need of most, you know, kids right now are in need of hope and, you know, especially during the pandemic. And, and if we can kind of rally together as a community to make those things happen, then this is the best year to do that, right? So what would advice would you give to someone in the community who is interested in, or, or is interested in donating their time to a, you know, a charitable foundation like ours, you know, why, what would be different between us and someone else maybe in their community? And, and why would they dedicate their time to us? I mean, it's really a no-brainer. If somebody is considering volunteering or donating, I don't know how you couldn't choose Make-A-Wish. Um, I think the word that comes to mind when I think about like donating to an organization, whether that be time, money, or resources, is transparency. And it could not be more clear how the money is spent or the resources are spent um, at Make-A-Wish. And you don't have that with every organization. If you give a dollar, it is going to a child and 
as a wish grantor, I see that directly. Um, we get funding for wish enhancements to make it really magical. Um, you see the direct impact of your money going right to the cause. If you're considering donating time, there are very, very few organizations where you get to be hands-on with the kids. Um, you get to have a direct impact in fulfilling their wish going into their homes, meeting their family, um, and really getting to form a bond with the family through the wish process. And you play such an integral role in brightening their life during a really, really tough time. So I would say if you are considering volunteering, donating, uh, you should do it yesterday. Uh, so hurry up. And uh, I couldn't think of a more, it is the most fulfilling part of my life, looking back through my teenage years, for sure. Wow, that's that's awesome, Rach. Seriously. Um, now, next question I have for you is, and again, this also may be kind of tough, but if you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? You know, obviously, you're a wish grantor. You've seen wishes come true. You know, in in your volunteer work with us. Um, but to remind our listeners, we have five formal wish categories. They are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So, out of those five formal categories, what would be your wish? My wish would be uh, to give all children the opportunity to have a make-a-wish, to feel the power of a wish, to uh, get to have an uplifting experience during their illness. I feel incredibly grateful. I've had a really fulfilling, I don't know what I, I guess I'm an adult, so. You are. I've had a really fulfilling life to this point. Um, there is nothing that I would really want or have other than to to give back to others and to really help the littlest ones. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Oh, one word? I mean, I think I've used the word magical a few times. I would say magical or healing, really. I think it heals children in a, in a different way than medicine, but in an equally as important way. Fantastic. And, and that's a perfect place to, to end. Um, I would like to give thanks to our guest, Rachel, for joining us today and sharing how she's been touched by the power of a wish and how she continues to give back in her own way through her own not-for-profit, Runway Heroes. Um, be sure to check out the show notes so you can find out some more information on how to get involved. And from all of us at the Wish House, thank you, Rachel, for joining us today um, and t- taking some time out of your crazy work day to, to talk with us. Thank you so, so much for having me and happy 35th anniversary to Make Wish. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We also invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing and any questions you may want us to add to our Shooting Star segment. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing us with our Wish House podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and stay healthy.